Yes Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Premium. Kevin Wade is with me. Uh, we're talking National Signing Day. It is 4.42 p.m. Pacific time uh, on a Wednesday, December 18th, when we're recording this fresh off uh, Oregon's press conference. They had a press conference just over two and a half hours ago. Uh, to announce this class, which is currently ranked 16th in the country, second in the Pac-12, uh, just by a slimmest of margins to the Washington Huskies. And, Kevin, there's – I've got the sheet right now in front of me, the packet, the recruiting packet, class of 2020 signees. Um, today has been a very fluid day in Oregon football recruiting, and by, by that I mean uh, a ton of movement in and out of this class – to the point where literally the press conference was ending and Mario Cristobal was about to get up from his seat when another prospect decided to commit to Oregon. Uh, and it was kind of an awkward, well, can I talk about him? Cause I want to, but I haven't, he hasn't officially cleared through clearance yet. So how, what can I say? Uh, and that ended up being four star quarterback Robbie Ashford. He was the second prospect to commit to Oregon on the day. Uh, obviously the big one, which everyone wants to talk about, which everyone is excited about, uh, and that's five star linebacker Justin Flo, who happens to be the fourth best player in the country and the 40th best player in the history of the 24 seven sports composite rankings. That tells you he is a very, very, very special player. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's historical. The internet recruiting era is, goes back to 2001, and he's the 40th best prospect. Uh, what the Ducks did by going and getting Justin Flo is getting the top prospect in California for the second straight year because they got Kayvon Thibodeau last year, something that's only been done by two schools, UCLA and USC. So it, that is truly historical right there uh, for the Ducks to pull that off. And you just look and you're just like, you kind of want to be surprised, but then you say, you look at everything that's happened since Mario Cristobal took over as head coach, and you're just like, the work has been put in, the foundation's been laid, and now you're starting to see the the rewards of those effort, reward of that effort that the coaching staff has put in over the past three years. Total of 20 players have signed with Oregon uh, on the early signing period. That does include Robbie Ashford, the dual-threat quarterback from Hoover, Alabama. Uh, two players who are currently committed to Oregon did not sign. That is uh, Seth Figgins, a three-star tight end, and also Peter Latu, a three-star safety. Uh, Figgins has since moved to California from Eugene, after previously living in California, uh, so he's moved back. He is reportedly dealing with some academic hurdles to secure his ability to sign with Oregon. Uh, that's been reported by the Oregonian. Um, and then uh, 24-7 Sports has reported that Peter Latu is also trying to uh, 
finish up some academic work before he signs with Oregon. So two of the prospects are still on the board that are committed to Oregon. We'll see if they end up landing with the Ducks. I think there's certainly uh, a possibility that neither of those guys do end up signing national letters of intent if they can't get their academics in order. Um, and then also today we saw a couple guys decommit and sign with other schools, most notably Miles Slusher, uh, four-star safety from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He signed with Arkansas. And four-star wide receiver Johnny Wilson from Calabasas High School in California, he flipped in conference from Oregon to Arizona State. But I think, Kevin, if, if you've been paying attention, if you're a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, you knew both of those were coming the last couple weeks or so. Things were not good uh, with Oregon uh, the last couple weeks. And, and while it's late in, in the period uh, and you never want to have a decommitment late, at least Oregon was kind of aware it was happening prior to today. Yeah, you you absolutely knew about Johnny Wilson. I think everyone kind of had figured out with the the deleting stuff off his Twitter profile. We'd been reporting for basically the past two weeks that there was smoke that he was going to flip to ASU. The Ducks were, were working on that, but you know that ASU could just over the past week just kind of became the the consensus that's where Wilson would end up. Uh, he ended up just letting the school make the announcement for him. Um, just was at the, around seven o'clock. He was just announced as part of their class. Uh, Slusher decided to do a commitment ceremony at his high school uh, in the afternoon and picked Arkansas, which is pretty close to Tulsa. So uh, staying home, kind of as we had reported last week, would be likely to happen. Uh, so no real surprises there. Uh, I know that it's late in the cycle, so it is a little bit of a shock to see those guys uh, fall out of the class. And I know it had an impact on Oregon's recruiting class ranking, but if you've been following and if you're a subscriber, which there's always time to subscribe at 247 Sports and Duck Territory, um, it was pretty much known for the past week that both those guys would be making their way out of the class, and as you noted, that Seth Figgins and Peter Latu would not sign. Now, everyone wants to talk about the commitment with Justin Flo. Um, this is huge. You have a you posted something on the site from a historical standpoint that this is one of the best commitments obviously ever in program history. Uh, but where exactly does he fall with other five star guides that have committed in there? Because there's not a lot of them. There's ten, I believe. Eleven. Eleven. He became the eleventh. Noah Sewell was the tenth five star uh, to commit to Oregon um, in program history, and that Noah was the ninth highest rated when he committed, and he now bumps to the 10th. But it, it just shows you that now Oregon will have three five-stars playing, three of the top 10 prospects ever playing in the same defensive lineup next year, which yeah, is pretty, pretty wild. Pretty wild to think of, like, what Oregon is currently doing on the recruiting trail. And Kayvon Thibodeau is number one, uh, edges out um, Justin Flo by a few thousandths of a percentage point in the 247 composite rankings. Uh, and then you get other just all world or like all Oregon guys, Haloti Nada, um, right up there. Just a lot of top Oregon players that you're that these guys are joining. Rarefied air. Haloti Nada's third, Jonathan Stewart's fourth, Cameron Colvin's fifth, DeAnthony Thomas is sixth, Eric Armstead, um, Thomas Tyner. So it, it just kind of shows you where Oregon is recruiting right now, and it's. It's at a level that you just 
haven't seen consistently from Oregon. Um, uh, let me just look this up. I, I believe that this is the first class where Oregon, I mean, they've only landed 11 five stars now. Pretty sure this is the first time, yeah, it's ever happened where there's been two in one class. Yes. It's a, and you, you gotta, it's with the 24-7 sports composite because I believe rivals at one point had Lyella and DeAnthony Thomas both as five stars and they signed in the same class, but we go off of the 24-7 sports composite, which is the average of rivals, our own rankings, and ESPN's rankings. Uh, and that gives, I, I mean, I, I view that as the go-to. Um, it gives you the, the best consensus out of everybody and takes away biases from all three sides, whether they have them or not, uh, and averages them out. And yes, this is the first time in program history that Oregon has signed two five-star players in the first, in the same year. And I, I put something else on Twitter. I've called, I've, I've covered football or I've, I've followed Oregon football recruiting all the way since 2000. I was in eighth grade. Um, into the year 2000, and that's when I really kind of got into following who's coming next to, to be the Ducks. And then, and at that time period, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, maybe it really felt like Oregon getting to a point where the best players in the country, uh, at least in the internet age of rankings, were going to come to Oregon was impossible. Like you just didn't think it was going to happen. And then Haloti not assigned. Uh, and then Cam Colvin signed, and then Jay Stu signed, and it became an idea of okay, they they they've done it, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be rare air when they sign a five star. And then in the 2010s early periods, you know the Ducks signed a couple guys, Eric Armstead being one. Uh, we saw Colt Lyerla, we saw DeAnthony Thomas. You know they they signed a couple more, and things seemed to be going in a direction where it was okay. Now it's not going to be just this you know rare deal, but it's still a really big accomplishment for Oregon to sign a five star recruit to the point now where they've signed five stars in back to back classes. That's the I think the third time they've done that, and then on top of that, this is the first time that Oregon has signed multiple five star prospects in the same class, and now it it seems like this is a KT is obviously a bigger pro, a higher ranked recruit than, than Flo is, but Flo just seems different because Oregon went into SoCal and this was a guy that, that USC, they never wavered on their desire to have Flo. There was some debate for whatever reason, as stupid as it sounds, for USC to, to take a KT. But at the end, they wanted him. And, and but from start to finish, or USC wanted Flo, and they knew Oregon, and they knew Clemson, and they knew Miami were going to come after Flo, and they did everything in their power to try and keep him in LA, and that wasn't enough. I mean, it, Oregon over overcame that, and that just feels different to every other big commitment that Oregon has gotten to the point where now it seems like. Oregon's the, the hot school in, in SoCal where it used to be every kid grew up going to USC and landing at USC, and that doesn't seem the case anymore. So I think there's multiple layers to it. I think, like, uh, the not the first time it happened, but when DeAnthony Thomas picked Oregon over USC, it was just an absolute stunner. Why would someone go to Oregon over USC, especially DeAnthony Thomas? But you kind of looked, though, there are the reasons that he chose it, and, you know, he worked in the Chip Kelly offense. Then you kind of get to looking at the the typical the Juju uh, Schuster Smith Schuster yeah. 
times where it's like, I mean, the night before, everyone went to bed thinking that he was Oregon. This is Oregon's guy. Yep. And then, oh, next day it's USC. Um, and Devin Williams wasn't a wasn't a force was a high four star, but same type of thing. Uh, I there's so many examples of this where USC has just won out by virtue of being USC. And well, they didn't win out this time. And I think it it really sends multiple levels of okay, Oregon is a school where elite players want to go. It can beat USC for USC guys. And it just feels like Oregon can can really take over the banner as the West Coast flagship school. Like, USC has just always been like, hey, we're going to recruit guys. We might have a bad season off the field, but we're still going to have a few five-stars in the class. Right now, USC's probably not going to land a five-star, something that just hasn't happened in the internet recruiting era. So, yes, USC is down, but Oregon is also just thrived off stealing that momentum from the Trojans. And now Oregon's setting themselves up for 2021, which I know that the kids just put pen to paper today, but the number one prospect in the nation is in L.A. and traditionally would be one of those kids that you'd think would be going to to USC, but the Ducks are right there. Yeah, now, you know, Oregon, obviously the Pac-12 as a whole has – has issues. They need to stop the floodgates from opening from Alabama, from Clemson, from Ohio State, and for other programs to, to raid into Southern California and to, and to raid into, into the West Coast footprint in general, plucking the, the top recruits. But if you look across the player rankings of guys that are ranked highly on the, on the West Coast, you know, Justin Flo, is the highest rated prospect to go to the Pac-12. That's the second time in a row that's happened. Uh, or Justin Flo in, to, to go to Oregon. You know, Flo's highest rated guy this year to, go, to land in the Pac-12. KT was the highest rated guy last year. Washington has Savelle Smalls at, a, at 11. Um, but then Oregon's got the, the, the third best recruit coming into the conference. Uh, and Noah Sewell. And he's rated 23rd nationally. And you keep going down the list and, it's hard to find guys in the top 50, uh, you know, that, that are landing in the Pac-12, but you, you expand out to 100 and you see more and more guys, uh, popping up for Oregon or potentially landing at Oregon. And that's the big thing is that Oregon's kind of become the school out West. Like if you're going to stay out West and you're a top prospect, you're going to have Oregon, uh, in, in the group and you're going to, you know, see Oregon sign a lot of these guys. I mean, they've already positioned themselves in 2021 for a bunch of five-star guys. And I can't say enough of how important it is for Oregon's program to have a guy like Justin Flo go on ESPNU, make his verbal commitment live, and say, I'll, I feel like I'll thrive in that program on when he, when he was asked, why did he pick Oregon over USC and other schools? I feel like I'll thrive in that program. That's just, that's straight into the veins for Oregon coaches and for everyone else in the Pac-12. That's, you do not want to hear that. I mean, that, that's the worst thing that can come from a recruit. Especially coming off what Kayvon Thibodeau did last year. I mean, less than a year after he picked Oregon, he had an incredible performance in the Pac-12 championship game. And, he was able to basically do what Justin Flo said he's gonna do. He, as he, I think he said, he put the, the proof in the pudding 
was his direct quote after the Pac-12 championship. He showed that I went to Oregon to do something, and while he may have not accomplished all of his goals, he he put on a show in that Pac-12 championship game, and he earned Pac-12 freshman of the year for that. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, now we've had some – I put this out just before <clears> – <throat> excuse me, we, we did this uh, podcast. Uh, so we've got some questions. Let's debate these uh, going on. TJ Norton, Mega Vault Games, asks, who do you think is the most underrated signee in the class? Not Not based on – Star grade, obviously. Um, I underrated prospect for me. I would probably have to land with Jay Butterfield um, because so much was made about Bryce Young, so much was made about DJU and Oregon going after those guys, and obviously Flo and and Sewell uh, in this class have brought you know most of the attention towards them because they're five stars. Any other year, Butterfield might be the number one quarterback in the country. Any other year. He's that yeah. talent, he's that talented. And so while I'm picking a top, you know, one of the best players in the country, he's the third best quarterback in the country. I just don't think people appreciate how good of a quarterback he is. Cause if it wasn't for DJU and Bryce Young, two guys that Greg Biggins has called, you know, once in a decade players in the same decade, in the same year, you know, if it wasn't for those two guys, he might be the top quarterback in the country this season. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think um, Butterfield's just, he, where DJU and Bryce Young love to do the seven on sevens. They love to do the camps. They love to, to go out there. Butterfield just wants to play football. He just wants to play with his team, work with his team, practice and get better, which I think, uh, I think definitely had some impact of how visible he was as a prospect, as a commodity in the internet era of recruiting where every prospect has multiple cameras on them every time yeah. they're throwing. So I think that definitely, yeah, you, you definitely hit it out as someone who's underrated to me. It's, it's going to sound weird, but for Ope Lalulu. <laughs> good, good attempt. Yeah, I, I can't do it, but Ope is just, I've seen him in person now three times and he is just, a massive human being. I think uh, what it, Mario Cristobal said he's the first person to ever make Joe Salavea look small. Yes. Um, I think people are like, you, you look, oh, he's six, seven, six, eight, 
390, 400 pounds. That's massive. But then you watch his highlight film. You watch his basketball, his volleyball tape. Yeah, I was going to say, he's You're a like, volleyball player. Yeah, you, you look at how agile he is at 400 pounds and 6'8", and you say, oh, Oregon has one of the best strength and conditioning programs right now in the country. I think he's a guy that is going to turn some heads, and I know he's down in the rankings. He's a guy that some schools looked over just because he he looks like a project, but I think he's the project that Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, and the strength coaches can definitely thrive with, and I think they got a really, really talented player that a lot of schools passed over just because they didn't want him to take on the project. All right, another question that's come in. Um, from Josh Irvin, uh, Irv Duck 11. What are your, what are your feelings about Ringo and Manning now that Oregon has secured Justin Flo's verbal commitment? Obviously he's talking about five star cornerback Keely Ringo, four star cornerback Dante Manning. Both of those players have put pen to paper. They just have not announced where they are going. Oregon is one of those schools that is under consideration. Or was under consideration before they, they put pen to paper. We just don't know if it is Oregon. Um, I think everything has been trending, uh, towards Oregon's way with Dante Manning, uh, and getting him, look, he's going to be one of the best prospects, uh, that will have signed ever at Oregon to play the cornerback position. He honestly, he might be the best player, uh, that Oregon has signed at the quarterback position if that's the school he he has chosen, if it's Oregon. He's that good. So if you miss out on Ringo and you get Dante Manning, that, to me that's not a loss. They're yeah. you know they're very they're very close in 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 talent comparison. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think Dante Manning's definitely trending towards Oregon. Um he signed, made the decision to do that and he'll be announcing at the Under Armour All American game, which he's an Under Armour All American. I think that kinda tells you just a little bit of how good he is, and you just watch this film and know that he's very likely going to be a five-star on 247 Sports. Whether that translates to the 247 composite when all the rankings are done and settled in January, um, we'll see. But he is very talented. And then Ringo, I think, was throwing some smoke screens today. Um, some people think... If you're not aware, what, what did he do if you're not aware? Uh, yeah, he. so a lot of people think he's training towards... Georgia, it's kind of Georgia, Oregon, Texas is somewhere in there, but he showed up at his high school ceremony, his signing ceremony. He didn't sign publicly, uh, but he was wearing an Oregon shirt, which I think threw a lot of people that were like, wait, isn't he trending towards Georgia? Kind of threw a lot of people for a loop. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, no- I mean, I said this on, on DuckTerritory.com the days leading up to signing day that there's a ton of noise out there and We'll see if that means anything or not, but we have heard, you know, previously for a while that Oregon felt confident and that they were in a position to land Ringo. Um, I think the addition of Justin Flo is, uh, only going to help if Ringo knew that Justin Flo was going to be coming to Oregon. So we'll see there. I mean, is it going to surprise me if they sign none of those two? Sure. It's not going to surprise me. It, are, is it going to surprise me if uh, they get one? No, I, I won't be surprised. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I predicted they would get Dante Manning. Uh, would it surprise me if they get both? No, it would not. Like I, I, I think all three of those possibilities are 
uh, very likely and, you know, probable outcomes that happen. Um, another question that's come in from Vicky Sands. Should we be, should we be worried with only one wide receiver signing in this class? That one wide receiver is Chris Hudson. Obviously tight end Seth Figgins hasn't signed and Johnny Wilson has decommitted. Um, it's an interesting question. It's, it's a valid question. I think ideally Oregon probably wanted one more receiver in this class. Uh, Mario Cristobal did note in the press conference today that had Devin Williams been able to be a freshman and count towards this class, uh, hit the rankings would even go up even higher. So he, he was quick to point out that, yeah, we would like to have a receiver, but at the same time, Oregon also has, uh, Devin Williams who will be eligible at the start of the season, uh, right away next season. Yeah. I think what you, you have to look at the overall depth chart. Who's graduating? Who did they lose to graduation or transfers and who comes back and you, you did redshirt Jarrah Waters and Lance Wilhoyt. You have Josh Delgado, Michael Pittman. That will be true sophomores. You'll have Devin Williams as a redshirt sophomore. You'll have Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson. The wide receiver room, there's there's guys there, so it's not a huge concern. But I mean, one of the things that they did that Mario Cristobal did talk about is the class is not done. So are there going to be wide receivers that are still on the board? Absolutely. And you could see Oregon might go after one or two of those guys if they're the right guys. If Oregon feels that, hey, we've got a few spots left and this wide receiver really fits what we need to do. Another question um, that's come in. Who makes from Patrick Walker, P. Walker 8, who in this class makes an immediate impact outside of Flo and Sewell? Um, that's an interesting one because I, I think at quarterback, you, you know, look, I, I think Tyler Shuck is the incumbent. I think he's going to be the guy that's the front runner to land QB one status, uh, after Herbert leaves. But, uh, I'm not also blind to, to what I've seen on film of, of Jay Butterfield and, and obviously, you know, Ashford's a talented quarterback as well and someone that brings something entirely different to the, to the table from a skill set standpoint because he's a dual threat while the other guys are all pro. You know, I, I think both of those guys at quarterback, Ashford and Butterfield, could be candidates to play in some capacity for Oregon. I think TJ Bass, a junior college offensive lineman projected to play center guard with Oregon's losses at all three spots interior wise of Lemieux, Hansen and Warmack all being gone. Bass just makes sense for to be available to play. Um, I, I also look at a guy like Chris Hudson, even though Oregon's got Jalen Redback, Micah Pittman back in the slot, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Plus Josh Delgado. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Hudson finds a way either on the perimeter or in the slot at the receiver position, um, and then Bennett Williams, a safety. I think that's another one that that's he wouldn't have come to Oregon if he didn't think he was going to make an impact right away. Yeah. He's only got two years left of college eligibility. He wouldn't waste them to sit on the bench at Oregon. Bennett Williams was would be my pick. I mean, he's the guy with college experience, as as we've noted before. Um, ESPN true freshman All American in 2017 at Illinois. Um, he's a hard hitting safety. His tape shows it. His junior college tape definitely shows that as well. So I think there's um, a lot of optimism for him. And I think he, he's a guy that can definitely slot right into Oregon's defensive backfield and 
contribute, especially with the way that they've been rotating guys all year. Even if there are no departures, I think he's a guy that just naturally fits in with the system that they're doing. And and that's where it's going to be interesting is finding the system uh, that fits guys and where, you know, they can make the most impact. Um, now, all right, before, before we wrap up this show, um, this episode, let's, let's dive into just some notes that we've heard from Mario Cristobal from his press conference. Um, things of note that we need to talk about. Cristobal said that, you know, 12 or 13 guys are going to enroll early, whether that's enrolling in January or enrolling in March, end of March. Uh, he said 12 or 13 players is his number. He he said off the top of his head, it could be wrong, but it was around 12 or 13. Um, we've got a good idea of who that is on the site on DuckTerritory.com. Uh, he did confirm, though, publicly that Jay Butterfield, which we already knew about, Butterfield even said it himself, is one of those players. Um, so that will be interesting to see how that plays out. And that's always huge for Oregon because, you know, a guy like Noah Sewell is going to come in early too. He gets in January. Um, this allows players to acclimate themselves to the college setting, to uh, the college football training program, and get them into that fourth quarter program That's that's been so pivotal for Oregon. Yeah, you definitely look at the, the importance of the, the guys who early enrolled last year and who were able to make a difference this year on the field. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the the highlight of that, but Micah Pittman also showed up for spring ball, uh, looked really good in in spring camp, uh, unfortunately had the, the injury to start the season, but then when he was healthy for that middle stretch there, he he definitely looked like being there, getting that time with the receiver, with the receiver group and Justin Herbert, he definitely looked like he was not a true freshman. So I think... Early enrollees are super important. They become even more important as college football programs are developing and learning how to get people acclimated to college faster through, as you said, the fourth quarter program. Other things of note, um, positional needs, What, where does Oregon need to fall uh, in line with their, their you know, February signing period? Uh, if you're unfamiliar, there's now two signing periods. It used to be one in early February, but they've broken it up into two. A majority of the recruits sign uh, with, a, with a school in early December, mid-December now. Um, Oregon does have a couple spots left. Chris Ball would not tell me uh, which exact number that is. Uh, we've got to give away the sauce. Yeah, we've got a couple ideas of how many guys they can take, but uh fact of the matter is they can keep adding a couple more bodies to the group. One item of note, and he, he did give us a couple position groups that he'd like to add some talent, but he did say, um, and we'll have that on duckterritory.com and who fits that criteria, but he did say for the most part, Oregon is almost at the level they want to be at for every position. And then, and then it becomes just finding your BPA. He said the NFL term BPA, best player available, just going out and adding the best talent you can add to the class. He, he did say there's a couple spots that they want to fill, some body types that they want to find. Um, but for the most part, who they target in the second signing period uh, will basically re- revolve around who's the best player Oregon can find and land to add to this class. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think 
there, there's a few positions that, um, I personally think they needed the, and the, those didn't, didn't necessarily line up. I think when he, t- he talked about maybe a big tight end or some few other spots like that, that definitely will be interesting to see Oregon, who they target for those spots, those final few spots. And it's, it's, I think there are going to be some guys on the board that are just can, like you have to target type guys. So it's going to be pretty interesting. I think the one thing that, um, really stood out to me about from the press conference though was when he talked about finding the type of guys that it's not just the guys that do it on the film do it on the tape and can can perform it's looking at holistically how do they how do they act around their teammates how do they act in practice and I think that's also going to go in a lot into the second half the January recruiting cycle because you look at the guys they added last year all three of them were solid contributors to the Ducks scout teams and regular teams with Christian Williams, DJ James, and Jamal Hill and the, the late signees last year. I don't want to say late, but I guess normal signees last year. But those guys were all very solid contributors. So I think that's going to play a big part as how can Oregon evaluate and understand these guys in the, the next period. Yeah, that's where it gets interesting is finding – what players personally fit, what guys fit their needs, and then, you know, culture too. Cristobal talked a lot about that today of, you know, a lot of these guys are vetting players and making sure that they're going to fit the, the process. He said it's hard to be a duck. It, you know, to be in this program, it's difficult because they push you, uh, and the competition is every day. You know, you, you compete every day for your spot. There are no guarantees at Oregon. They don't make promises and whatnot. Um, and so he highlighted the, the fact of just as important it is as finding guys that are talented on the football field, it's equally as important and maybe even more so of finding a player that fits the culture, fits the dynamic, fits the locker room, uh, of this team. Um, and he said he gave a lot of credit to, you know, finding those players to the, to the players themselves. They kind of sort the things out themselves when they're on official visits and, and whatnot. So, you know, lots to watch for. Obviously, this, this recruiting class is an exciting class. Like we said, 16th in the country, second in the Pac-12, two five-star recruits, multiple four-star, multiple top 100 guys, a couple more spots to fill uh, in January leading up into the February signing period. We'll have it all. We'll cover it all on DuckTerritory.com. We've also got Rose Bowl coverage. Uh, we've got an offensive coordinator search to go after. So there's a ton of stuff out there right now. That we no will be covering. Agenda. What? There's no shortage of of stuff to cover right now. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, I I didn't even get it, you know, get this in, but you know, a five star recruit for basketball is making his debut tonight. I mean, it's it's literally five star galore at Oregon, the University of Oregon, right now because of the women signing, you know, five five star recruits. The men have a five star, and like Dante previewing, you know. Debuting today, the football team has signed five stars. So an exciting time uh, with Oregon Athletics. We're there to cover it all. You should be on DuckTerritory.com, subscribing uh, to us uh, to get involved and get you know familiar with the programs. And so for Kevin Wade, I'm Matt Prame. Thank you for listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. 
now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties, meet her very exclusive, and get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls, rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.